Act Two of The Way of the World by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One St. James's Park, Mrs. Fainall and Mrs. Marwood. Ay, ay, dear Marwood, if we will be happy, we must find the means in ourselves and among ourselves men are ever in extremes either doting or averse while they are lovers if they have fire and sense their jealousies are insupportable and when they cease to love we ought to think at least they loathe they look upon us with horror and distaste they meet us like the ghosts of what we were and as from such fly from us true tis an unhappy circumstance of life that love should ever die before us and that the man so often should outlive the lover but say what you will tis better to be left than never to have been loved to pass our youth in dull indifference to refuse the sweets of life because they once must leave us is as preposterous as to wish to have been born old because we one day must be old for my part my youth may wear and waste but it shall never rust in my possession then it seems you dissemble an aversion to mankind only in compliance to my mother's humour certainly to be free i have no taste of those insipid dry discourses with which our sex of force must entertain themselves apart from men we may affect endearments to each other profess eternal friendships and seem to dote like lovers but tis not in our natures long to persevere love will resume his empire in our breasts and every heart or soon or late receive and readmit him as its lawful tyrant bless me how have i been deceived why you profess a libertine you see my friendship by my freedom come be as sincere acknowledge that your sentiments agree with mine never you hate mankind heartily inveterately your husband most transcendently i though i say it meritoriously give me your hand upon it there i join with you what i have said has been to try you is it possible dost thou hate those vipers men i have done hating em and now come to despise em the next thing i have to do is eternally to forget em there spoke the spirit of an amazon a pensacilia and yet i am thinking sometimes to carry my aversion further how faith by marrying if i could but find one that loved me very well and would be thoroughly sensible of ill-usage i think i should do myself the violence of undergoing the ceremony you would not make him a cuckold no but i'd make him believe i did and that's as bad why had not you as good do it oh if he should ever discover it he would then know the worst and be out of his pain but i would have him ever to continue upon the rack of fear and jealousy ingenious mischief would thou wert married to mirabel would i were you change colour because i hate him so do i but i can hear him named but what reason have you to hate him in particular i never loved him he is and always was insufferably proud by the reason you give for your aversion one would think it dissembled for you have laid a fault to his charge of which his enemies must acquit him oh then it seems you are one of his favourable enemies methinks you look a little pale and now you flush again do i i think i am a little sick of the sudden what ails you my husband don't you see him 
he turned short upon me unawares and has almost overcome me scene two to them fainall and mirabel ha 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 he comes opportunely for you for you for he has brought mirabel with him my dear my soul you don't look well today child do you think so he is the only man that does madam the only man that would tell me so at least and the only man from whom i could hear it without mortification oh my dear i am satisfied of your tenderness i know you cannot resent anything from me especially what is an effect of my concern mr mirabel my mother interrupted you in a pleasant relation last night i would fain hear it out the persons concerned in that affair have yet a tolerable reputation i am afraid mr fainall will be censorious he has a humour more prevailing than his curiosity and will willingly dispense with the hearing of one scandalous story to avoid giving an occasion to make another by being seen to walk with his wife this way mr mirabel and i dare promise you will oblige us both scene three fainall mrs marwood excellent creature well sure if i should live to be rid of my wife i should be a miserable man i for having only that one hope the accomplishment of it of consequence must put an end to all my hopes and what a wretch is he who must survive his hopes nothing remains when that day comes but to sit down and weep like alexander when he wanted other worlds to conquer will you not follow him faith i think not pray let us i have a reason you are not jealous of whom of mirabel if i am is it inconsistent with my love to you that i am tender of your honour you would intimate then as if there were a fellow feeling between my wife and him i think she does not hate him to that degree she would be thought but he i fear is too insensible it may be you are deceived it may be so i do not now begin to apprehend it what that i have been deceived madam and you are false that i am false what mean you to let you know i see through all your little arts come you both love him and both have equally dissembled your aversion your mutual jealousies of one another have made you clash till you have both struck fire i have seen the warm confession reddening on your cheeks and sparkling from your eyes you do me wrong i do not twas for my ease to oversee and wilfully neglect the gross advances made him by my wife that by permitting her to be engaged i might continue unsuspected in my pleasures and take you oftener to my arms in full security but could you think because the nodding husband would not wake that ere the watchful lover slept and wherewithal can you reproach me with infidelity with loving another with love of mirabel tis false i challenge you to show an instance that can confirm your groundless accusation i hate him and wherefore do you hate him he is insensible and your resentment follows his neglect an instance the injuries you have done him are a proof you are interposing in his love what caused you to make discoveries of his pretended passion to undeceive the credulous aunt and be the officious obstacle of his match with millamant my obligations to my lady urged me i had professed friendship to her and could not see her easy nature so abused by that dissembler what was it conscience then professed a friendship oh the pious friendships of the female sex more tender more sincere and more enduring than all the vain and empty vows of men whether professing love to us or mutual faith to one another <laughs> you are my wife's friend too shame and ingratitude do you reproach me you you upbraid me have i been false to her 
through strict fidelity to you and sacrifice my friendship to keep my love inviolate and have you the baseness to charge me with a guilt unmindful of the merit to you it should be meritorious that i have been vicious and do you reflect that guilt upon me which should lie buried in your bosom you misinterpret my reproof i meant but to remind you of the slight account you once could make of strictest ties when set in competition with your love to me tis false you urged it with deliberate malice twas spoken in scorn and i never will forgive it your guilt not your resentment begets your rage if yet you loved you could forgive a jealousy but you are stung to find you are discovered it shall be all discovered you too shall be discovered be sure you shall i can but be exposed if i do it myself i shall prevent your baseness why what will you do disclose it to your wife own what has passed between us frenzy by all my wrongs i'll do it i'll publish to the world the injuries you have done me both in my fame and fortune with both i trusted you you bankrupt in honour as indigent of wealth your fame i have preserved your fortune has been bestowed as the prodigality of your love would have it in pleasures which we both have shared yet had not you been false i had ere this repaid it tis true had you permitted mirabel with millamant to have stolen their marriage my lady had been incensed beyond all means of reconcilement millamant had forfeited the moiety of her fortune which then would have descended to my wife and wherefore did i marry but to make lawful prize of a witch widow's wealth and squander it and love on you deceit and frivolous pretence death am i not married what's pretence am i not imprisoned fettered have i not a wife nay a wife that was a widow a young widow a handsome widow and would be again a widow but that i have a heart of proof and something of a constitution to bustle through the ways of wedlock on this world will you yet be reconciled to truth and me impossible truth and you are inconsistent i hate you and shall for ever for loving you i loathe the name of love after such usage and next to the guilt with which you would asperse me i scorn you most farewell nay we must not part thus let me go come i'm sorry i care not let me go break my hands do i'd leave em to get loose i would not hurt you for the world have i no other hold to keep you here well i have deserved it all you know i love you poor dissembling oh that well it is not yet what what is it not what is it not yet it is not yet too late no it is not yet too late i have that comfort it is to love another but not to loathe detest abhor mankind myself and the whole treacherous world nay this is extravagance come i ask your pardon no tears i was to blame i could not love you and be easy in my doubts pray forbear i believe you i am convinced i have done you wrong and any way every way will make amends i'll hate my wife yet more damn her i'll part with her rob her of all she's worth and we'll retire somewhere, anywhere, to another world. I'll marry thee. Be pacified. It's death. They come. Hide your face, your tears. You have a mask, wear it a moment. This way, this way. Be persuaded. Scene four. Mirabel and Mrs. Fainall. They are here yet. They are turning into the other walk. While I only hated my husband, I could bear to see him. But since I have despised him, he is too offensive oh you should hate with prudence yes for i have loved with indiscretion you should have just so much disgust for your husband as may be sufficient to make you relish your lover you have been the cause that i have loved without bounds 
and would you set limits to that aversion of which you have been the occasion why did you make me marry this man why do we daily commit disagreeable and dangerous actions to save that idle reputation if the familiarities of our loves had produced that consequence of which you were apprehensive where could you have fixed a father's name with credit but on a husband i knew fain ought to be a man lavish of his morals an interested and professing friend a false and a designing lover yet one whose wit and outward fair behaviour have gained a reputation with the town enough to make that woman stand excused who has suffered herself to be won by his addresses a better man ought not to have been sacrificed to the occasion a worse had not answered to the purpose when you are weary of him you know your remedy i ought to stand in some degree of credit with you mirabel in justice to you i have made you privy to my whole design and put it in your power to ruin or advance my fortune whom have you instructed to represent your pretended uncle waitwell my servant he is an humble servant to foible my mother's woman and may win her to your interest care is taken for that she is won and worn by this time they were married this morning who waitwell and foible i would not tempt my servant to betray me by trusting him too far if your mother in hopes to ruin me should consent to marry my pretended uncle he might like mosca in the fox stand upon terms so i made him sure beforehand so if my poor mother is caught in a contract you will discover the imposture betimes and release her by producing a certificate of her gallant's former marriage yes upon condition that she consent to my marriage with her niece and surrender the moiety of her fortune in her possession she talked last night of endeavouring at a match between millamant and your uncle that was my foible's direction and my instruction that she might seem to carry it more privately well i have an opinion of your success for i believe my lady will do anything to get an husband and when she has this which you have provided for her i suppose she will submit to anything to get rid of him yes i think the good lady would marry anything that resembled a man though twere no more than what a butler could pinch out of a napkin female frailty we must all come to it if we live to be old and feel the craving of a false appetite when the true is decayed an old woman's appetite is depraved like that of a girl tis the green sickness of a second childhood and like the faint offer of a latter spring serves but to usher in the fall and withers in an affected bloom here's your mistress scene five to them mrs millamant whitwood mincing here she comes if faith full sail with her fan spread and streamers out and a shoal of fools for tenders ha no i cry her mercy i see but one poor empty scholar and he tows her woman after him you seem to be unattended madam you used to have the beau monde throng after you and a flock of gay fine perukes hovering round you like moths about a candle i had liked to have lost my comparison for want of breath oh i have denied myself airs to-day i have walked as fast through the crowd as a favourite just disgraced and with as few followers dear mr whitwood truce with your similitudes for i am as sick of em as a physician of a good air i cannot help it madam though tis against myself yet again mincing stand between me and his wit do mrs mincing like a screen before a great fire i confess i do blaze to-day i am too bright but dear millamant why were you so long long lord have i not made violent haste 
I have asked every living thing I met for you. I have inquired after you as after a new fashion. Madam, truce with your similitudes. No, you met her husband and did not ask him for her. By your leave, Whitwood, that were like inquiring after an old fashion to ask a husband for his wife. Hum, a hit, a hit, a palpable hit, I confess it. You were dressed before I came abroad. Aye, that's true. Oh, but then I had... Mincing, what had I? Why was I so long? Oh, ma'am, your layship stayed to peruse a packet of letters. Oh, aye, letters. I had letters. I am persecuted with letters. I hate letters. Nobody knows how to write letters, and yet one has them. One does not know why. They serve one to pin up one's hair. Is that the way? Pray, madam, do you pin up your hair with all your letters? I find I must keep copies. Only with those in verse, Mr. Whitwood. I never pin up my hair with prose. I think I tried once, mincing. Oh, Mim, I shall never forget it. Aye. Poor mincing tiffed and tiffed all the morning. Till I had the cramp in my fingers, I vow, Mim, and all to no purpose. But when your ladyship pins it up with poetry, it fits so pleasant the next day as anything, and is so pure and so crips. Indeed, so crips? You're such a critic, Mr. Whitwood. Mirabelle, did you take exceptions last night? Oh, I, and went away. Now I think on it, I'm angry. No, now I think on it, I'm pleased, for I believe I gave you some pain. Does that please you? Infinitely. I love to give pain. You would affect a cruelty which is not in your nature. Your true vanity is in the power of pleasing. Oh, I ask your pardon for that. One's cruelty is one's power, and when one parts with one's cruelty, one parts with one's power, and when one has parted with that, I fancy one's old and ugly. Aye, aye, suffer your cruelty to ruin the object of your power, to destroy your lover, and then how vain, how lost a thing you'll be. Nay, tis true, you are no longer handsome when you've lost your lover. Your beauty dies upon the instant, for beauty is the lover's gift. Tis he bestows your charms, your glass is all a cheat. The ugly and the old, whom the looking-glass mortifies, yet after commendation can be flattered by it, and discover beauties in it, for that reflects our praises rather than your face. Oh, the vanity of these men! Fainall, do you hear him? If they did not commend us, we were not handsome? Now you must know they could not commend one if one was not handsome. Beauty, the lover's gift? Lord, what is a lover that it can give? Why, one makes lovers as fast as one pleases, and they live as long as one pleases, and they die as soon as one pleases, and then, if one pleases, one makes more. Very pretty. Why, you make no more of making of lovers, madam, than of making so many card matches. One no more owes one's beauty to a lover than one's wit to an echo. They can but reflect what we look and say. Vain, empty things, if we are silent or unseen and want a being. Yet to those two vain, empty things you owe two the greatest pleasures of your life. How so? To your lover you owe the pleasure of hearing yourselves praised, and to an echo the pleasure of hearing yourselves talk. But I know a lady that loves talking so incessantly she won't give an echo fair play. She has that everlasting rotation of tongue that an echo must wait till she dies before it can catch her last words. Oh, fiction. Fainall, let us leave these men. Draw off, Whitwood. Aside to Mrs. Fainall. Immediately.
I have a word or two for Mr. Whitwood. Scene six. Mrs. Millamant, Mirabel, Mincing. I would beg a little private audience, too. You had the tyranny to deny me last night, though you knew I came to impart a secret to you that concerned my love. You saw I was engaged. Unkind, you had the leisure to entertain a herd of fools, things who visit you from their excessive idleness, bestowing on your easiness that time which is the encumbrance of their lives. How can you find delight in such society? It is impossible they should admire you. They are not capable, or, if they were, it should be to you as a mortification, for, sure, to please a fool is some degree of folly. I please myself. Besides, sometimes to converse with fools is for my health. Your health? Is there a worse disease than the conversation of fools? Yes, the vapours. Fools are physic for it, next to asafetida. You are not in a course of fools? Mirabel, if you persist in this offensive freedom, you'll displease me. I think I must resolve, after all, not to have you. We shan't agree. Not in our physic, it may be. And yet our distemper, in all likelihood, will be the same, for we shall be sick of one another. I shan't endure to be reprimanded nor instructed. Tis so dull to act always by advice, and so tedious to be told of one's faults. I can't bear it. Well, I won't have you, Mirabel. I'm resolved, I think. You may go. <laughs> what would you give that you could help loving me? I would give something that you did not know I could not help it. Come, don't look grave then. Well, what do you say to me? I say that a man may as soon make a friend by his wit, or a fortune by his honesty, as win a woman with plain dealing and sincerity. Sententious Mirabel! Prithee, don't look with that violent and inflexible wise face, like Solomon at the dividing of the child in an old tapestry hanging. You are merry, madam, but I would persuade you for a moment to be serious. What, with that face? No! If you keep your countenance, tis impossible I should hold mine. Well, after all, there is something very moving in a lovesick face. <laughs> well, I won't laugh. Don't be peevish. Hi-ho! Now I'll be melancholy, as melancholy as a watchlight. Well, Mirabel, if ever you will win me, woo me now. Nay, if you are so tedious, fare you well. I see they are walking away. Can you not find in the variety of your disposition one moment? To hear you tell me foibles married and your plot like to speed? No. But how you came to know it? Without the help of the devil, you can't imagine. Unless she should tell me herself... Which of the two it may have been, I will leave you to consider. And when you have done thinking of that, think of me. Scene 7. Mirabel Alone I have something more. Gone. Think of you? To think of a whirlwind, though twere in a whirlwind, were a case of more steady contemplation, a very tranquillity of mind and mansion. A fellow that lives in a windmill has not a more whimsical dwelling than the heart of a man that is lodged in a woman. There is no point of the compass to which they cannot turn, and by which they are not turned, and by one as well as another, for motion, not method, is their occupation. To know this, and yet continue to be in love, is to be made wise from the dictates of reason, and yet persevere to play the fool by the force of instinct. Oh, here come my pair of turtles. What, billing so sweetly? Is not Valentine's Day over with you yet? Scene 8 to him, Waitwell, foible. Sirrah, Waitwell, why, sure, you think you were married for your own recreation and not for my conveniency? 
your pardon sir with submission we have indeed been solacing in lawful delights but still with an eye to business sir i have instructed her as well as i could if she can take your directions as readily as my instructions sir your affairs are in a prosperous way give you joy mrs foible oh lass sir i'm so ashamed i'm afraid my lady has been in a thousand inquietudes for me but i protest sir i made as much haste as i could that she did indeed sir it was my fault that she did not make more that i believe but i told my lady as you instructed me sir that i had a prospect of seeing sir rowland your uncle and that i would put her ladyship's picture in my pocket to show him which i'll be sure to say has made him so enamoured of her beauty that he burns with impatience to lie at her ladyship's feet and worship the original excellent foible matrimony has made you eloquent in love i think she has profited sir i think so you have seen madame milliment sir yes i told her sir because i did not know that you might find an opportunity she had so much company last night your diligence will merit more in the meantime gives money oh dear sir your humble servant spouse stand off sir not a penny go on and prosper foible the lease shall be made good and the farm stocked if we succeed i don't question your generosity sir and you need not doubt of success if you have no more commands sir i'll be gone i'm sure my lady is at her toilet and can't dress till i come oh dear i'm sure that looking out was mrs marwood that went by in a mask if she has seen me with you i'm sure she'll tell my lady i'll make haste home and prevent her your servant sir be with ye waitwell scene nine mirabel waitwell sir rowland if you please the jade so pert upon her preferment she forgets herself come sir will you endeavour to forget yourself and transform into sir rowland why sir it will be impossible i should remember myself married night and attended all in one day tis enough to make any man forget himself the difficulty will be how to recover my acquaintance and familiarity with my former self and fall from my transformation to a reformation into waitwell nay i shan't be quite the same waitwell neither for now i remember me i'm married and can't be my own man again ay there's my grief that's the sad change of life to lose my title and yet keep my wife End of Act 2 of The Way of the World by William Congreve